All right, everybody. Here we are. Special edition of No Putts Given because Chris Fushell was available. And anytime this man is available, we do whatever we can to uh, to get him here. And we are talking 923, new launch, all that stuff. We're going to go through all the details, answer your questions, ask you questions. I don't know. What else are we going to do, Tony? Let's do, we're going we're gonna to do a speed round at the end. Let's do... Something Ooh, new. new we'll make a speed round. Does it involve this, or... Tony? Does it involve this? Ooh, nice. Uh, no, this is an well, M maybe MP sixty four three iron. I broke it out because <laughs> it hopefully reminds you of something we may we may get to talk about today. So, uh, first question though, uh, uh, Vosh, how do you like the outfit? This this is the best looking podcast I've ever seen. You know, you got you got Tony going all Gary Player on us. You got Chris with the bandy. Yeah. You got Runbirds everywhere. I'm the underdressed. The only Mizuno one. hat I own. I do have the uh, the tour van shirt going, so I got that going. All right. So. <laughs> All right. No, this right. this is a fantastic look, guaranteed to increase ratings when you put that bandy star on there. Anchor down, baby. There we Anchor go. Down. So <laughs> and let them know. We need all the support we can get going into uh, where the grounds we're about to walk on. So it's going to be a it's going to be an interesting weekend. Let let's in savor the three and one record we have right now. We're already hit the over on our win total for the year. Was it two and a half? It was two and a half. <laughs> <laughs> so comfortably over. Tony, let's dive in. What, what yeah, do you man. want to talk so about? So we what? have got let, let's well we're going to talk JPX, but we let's have that. five new iron models. My count correct there? That's correct. A, a new yep. hybrid, and and just for the hell of it, some blue wedges. So like, man, that's a lot. What's going on, dude? It, this is the time of year when it's fun to talk about the stuff that's been in the in the oven for a while. So yeah, new JPX line. Um, that's always exciting for us because JPX is where we love to show off a lot of new technologies, a lot of distance generating things, and then all, you know, works all the way down to the tour. So golf club, the JPX tour with an awesome heritage of a ton of play already have some nine, two, threes in tour on play on tour right now, which is exciting. So just a ton to talk about, um, you know, coming off the Mizuno pro, which is basically like as clean and classic as you can get. JPX is fun because there's some bling on these things. What does, and I, I, I this kind of popped in my head today and I'm like, I, I have no recollection of this, but what does JPX stand for? Doesn't actually stand <laughs> I don't for know anything. Either. I, yeah. We know what MP is. Mizuno we know professional, MP, right? We, no pro, right? Exactly. Uh, pro being short for professional. Sure. I, I went for a long time of not answering that question, but I feel like we're long enough into the life that we might as well go ahead and answer that question. Um, Tony, you've been to Japan. You've experienced the uh, the culture over there and how things uh, get get named fun Lost. stuff. <laughs> JPX came from our Japan market. It, it was a brand over in Japan long before it was a brand in the Western world. And, you know, of course, we start thinking, what does JPX stand for? Um know japanese performance extreme something like that we wish it was something even that lame slash cool um i believe the actual <laughs> answer is joy passion excitement is where is where it came from. <laughs> so, so good that's so the best so good how do we not have a t-shirt with jpx like joy, joy passion, passion excitement, excitement. You could have like three emojis, one for each one, right? <laughs> yes. Right. Yes. So that, that is really bringing JPX into the modern world right there. Exactly. <laughs> wow. 
All right. There's one trivia question. Okay, now now, now we're in. Coming. Yeah. Did not see that coming. Yeah. <laughs> nope. Not a chance. Well, I guess we're done. <laughs> there we go. go. There? <laughs> that's a wrap. Back to the MP64 three iron. Right. Yeah. So let's actually, let's dive right in here. And, and I want to start, we're going to start with hot metal, mm -hmm. but before we get into the specifics, I think, you know, it's interesting to me, maybe you can talk about it a little bit, but this has kind of become the money maker in the Mizuno lineup. We tend to think of you guys as like, Hey, these, these are a pure forging better players company. You've been kind of trying to shake that reputation for a while, but mm -hmm. like, where are you now? Where, how important has hot metal become to your business? If you want to talk the business side of the world, it's funny how much it differs from the perception of the world. You know, Mizuno still has the perception of small players forgings. Like that's what Mizuno does. That's why we're here. That's why we have jobs. That's what put Mizuno on the map. But since Hot Metal started, you know, and again, even with JPX, we had JPX 800, JPX uh, 825, 850. The 900 was the one that took on the badge of Hot Metal. And that was the start of the use of chromoly, a material that, you know, gives you a lot more ball speed. The look got the way it should be. And ultimately it's turned into where if you look at our numbers, our number one selling model is hot metal. Our number two selling model is hot metal pro. And it's not even close. Like it's unbelievable how, how valuable they are just at, to Mizuno's business, but also, you know, in the fitting world to think of. The fact that Mizuno's top two clubs are not forgings is really a uh, a shocker for a lot of people. I actually got into a spirited debate with somebody the other day who did not <laughs> believe me that Forged was outsold by Hot Metal Pro. And I gave the numbers that not only is it outsold, it's outsold close to two to one. So it's 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 a ridiculous thing. I don't think, yeah, I, I never would have seen that coming, um, especially looking at some of the... Where, where the JPX, the cast side of the JPX lineup was once upon a time. So it uh, will say it, it had some missteps before it found its direction. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I think too, like you mentioned there, what's interesting is the heritage and perception versus the reality, right. Yeah. And, you know, balancing those things going forward. Cause it, you know, you don't want to lose the DNA, I guess, so to speak of, like I said, what put you guys on the map, the MP. 29s 14s right. 33s you know a lot of us that go back to that and you see that up to and through the return of copper mm -hmm. underlay that we had in the tn 87s and seeing that stuff come back so i guess how do you balance those with maintaining that heritage people that like you know that fell in love with mizuno they fell in love with that single piece forging they didn't yeah. probably fall in love with the MX-23. And, right. I mean, you know, probably not, right? I'll, like, a couple of things happened with, and I'll go back to the JPX 900 line because that's the one where I feel like we really you know, caught our stride. And a couple of things happened on that line that not only, you know, triggered hot metal, which was the, like I said, it was the first one that had the hot metal name on the biggest model, but also that saw the introduction of the tour model as well. So that was the first time JPX wasn't a game improvement line. JPX was a technology line and there was a look and a thread that tied them all together. So with JPX 900, you had the tour, the forged and the hot metal. So now when you go into the fitting studio, you know, you get into the cart, you get into wherever you, you know, work with your local professional to get fit. You walk in and you say, which one is for me? 
as opposed to, you know, I'm a good player and I'm an MP or I'm a less good player. I'm a JPA, which that that's where when Mizuno had their distance clubs basically set in, in a category that was so obviously not Mizuno, it doesn't really catch its, you know, catch its stride. But now that there's that connection, that thread that runs all the way through, now even players who mm. play hot metal, you could play the forged and the scoring irons. There, there's a look that ties them all together. There's a connection to what the tour players are using. So to me, it's it's utilizing that heritage and pulling that heritage to all levels of the market. And so hot metal is your game improvement series. Uh, pro maybe more players distance perhaps, yeah. but you're definitely trending towards forgiveness. And a lot of times we, when we talk about forgiveness, the metric we use is MOI. We throw that around a lot. I think our, our listeners are familiar with it, but you guys don't talk about MOI much. You, you have a metric you use called core area. Yep. And can you talk about what that is and, and why you think it's, it's a better measure of forgiveness than yeah. Than a Tony slaps my like hand MOI. every time I say MOI. This that he goes no, no, it's not forgiveness. Well, well it is, I think okay. MOI. It's almost like I'm trying to think what's a good uh, what's a good analogy to use with it. Where it's like MOI. It's not like is, sunscreen, is it? I, I would. It's like when it people used to, <laughs> when people used to frequency shafts. Like you just bounce a shaft and you say it's this many CPM, whatever. There's there's a, a measurement of how stiff it is. It's a singular view of the forgiveness of it. Like that's a singular view of the stiffness of it at a localized area. MOI to me, and I'm not even to me to physics. It's the measurement of the resistance to twisting on a single axis. So if you look at the MOI of a golf club in the toe heel direction, you can make a club that's very forgiving in one direction and less forgiving in another direction because it's all based off of where the mass lives in relation to the COR passing through that axis. Sorry to get more like technical on it. But when, you know, when, <laughs> when we talk about forgiveness, we talk about two things. You're right. We talk about core area and we talk about what we call sweet area. And sweet area is basically looking at MOI on a couple of different planes. So rather than just looking at it in the toe heel direction, we measure it in the toe heel direction and the up down direction because you could easily make one very forgiving in the toe heel and really crummy in the up down. So with that, if you just look at the MOI, then you'd say, oh, this MOI is massive. But if you hit a ball high or low on the face, it sucks. So by looking at it, over those multiple axes, that's going to take into account basically that whole ellipse area of the face. So we convert basically those two MOIs into the area of an ellipse. And we say sweet area is the combined effect of toe heel and up-down MOI. So there's your resistance to twisting in those two planes. So that's an MOI, or that's a forgiveness in terms of how much energy loss will there be to twisting. Core area is how much energy will be transferred to the ball. So again, very similar to like a typical toe heel MOI, you can make a high COR iron where the center of the face, where the COR is measured, is through the roof. It's really high, but it drops off very quickly from there. If you just maximize that center point, it's not a true representation of how hot that club is across the entire face. So we'll map what we call a core area as well. And that's the area on the face that, that lives in the high COR realm. So that way, if you can combine a high COR or a high core area and a high sweet area, that's forgiveness because energy is not lost right. to, to twisting. 
and also energy is transferred to the ball through COR. So I know that Good was a question, much longer question. answer than you probably wanted, but yes, Rick Chris. With I have a question. question. So, and, and we saw this in like our, uh, you know, way long ago, right? In, in driver testing, you look at typical miss patterns, right? Because mm-hmm. if you hit it in the center, like I said, and it's really hot and, and, and forgiving and whatever, like where that, you know, center point is, which you know, directly behind the geometric, you know, center of gravity, whatever the case is, fantastic. Okay. How do you take typical player misses? So if I'm a, you know, a 10 handicap, 12 handicap, 14 handicap, whatever the case is, and I'm probably looking, you're, you're guesstimating, right? Hey, this, this type of player is probably looking at that type of an iron. Do you design those ellipses around their most typical miss areas and secondarily will blades make me a better ball striker (laughs) (laughs) i need to know because (laughs) we'll take these one at a time first (laughs) first i'd say yeah we absolutely look at the the strike and miss patterns on on different clubs in different ways and ultimately it's like it's we we refer to uh like the angle of rotation where typically a, an iron miss, even a driver miss, the same thing is low heel, high toe is the is the typical like pattern shot dispersion pattern goes like that across the face. So when you look at yep. the JPX line, you'll actually see a large concentration of mass high on the toe, which high on the toe is an interesting thing because it's not good for sweet spot depth or sweet spot height because it's mass high on the toe. It's not deep. It's not you know you know way towards the toe. But what that's basically doing is it's it's orienting the forgiveness level, like basically the the area of that ellipse that we're measuring for that court or for that sweet area. It's tilting that ellipse. So basically, what it's doing is it's it's dialing that in more to the miss patterns of that particular player. So yes, we absolutely look at that. You know, if you look at the Mizuno Pro world on the MP side, you don't see as much concentration of mass on the high toe. So again, it's looking at the different levels and the different clubs and and focusing the mass where it needs to be on each one. That being said, the muscle backs don't have that level of forgiveness out there. So you're going to be a worse ball striker with that. <laughs> Noted oh, and my. thank you. <laughs> All right, Chris, before we before we jump into kind of and break down the individual models, um, you've done some stuff with the new line, the JPX 923 hot metal line in particular, common technologies. What's what's different, new, improved, whatever phrase you want to throw at it. With the yeah, so the, the hot metal line in particular, the, the biggest thing that we're most excited about is the new material that we're using. It still is a chromoly, but it's actually what we call a nickel chromoly. So is that named after Chris? Absolutely. Thank you. I've been working on this forever. <laughs> Finally, I get my just... Do I'm at my atomic number is what 28? I think <laughs> it's because you're so hot, Chris. So we, we got yeah, it. Is. You're lucky people. I'm not in the tub. You're lucky I'm not in the tub for this one. <laughs> oh boy. So, basically, but the addition of nickel actually is able to help us increase the strength of that material by about 35%. Strong dude. So, <laughs> you know, I'd say the, the material that we were using before, the chromoly, we had gotten to a point where we couldn't really go any thinner because of durability. You know, once you start going thinner, you're going to start getting face cracks and you're going to start to see CORs uh, creep and all those things you don't want in a set and, of and objects. those things are bad, right? Very those bad. things are bad, bad. exactly. Yeah. So with the nickel chromoly, we were able to get thinner across <laughs> the entire face. Thinner on the face is good for so many reasons. 
first, obviously, thinner face equals hotter face, higher COR, more ball speed. Second, thinner on the face means more mass to play with and more mass to put not close to the face, more mass to put around the perimeter, more mass to put in the back. So that that material really is what unlocked all of the improvements we made on our hot metal and our hot metal pro line. And then from there, we actually added a third model within the hot metal family, which is the hot metal high launch. And to me, that's an exciting one because while you may be tempted to call it like an SGI super game improvement iron or something like that, it doesn't look the part of a super game improvement iron. You know, it it features all of the distance generating technologies of a distance club and it's built into a package that's just simply easier to launch. It's, I mean, marginally larger than the hot metal. And I say that like the only added uh, head length is in the hosel. It's just pulled that hosel a fraction of a millimeter further away to make the actual perim- uh, the distance of that face a little bit longer. And it's a little bit more loft on it. And more loft is funny because that's something that the industry almost shies away from is adding loft. We added loft on that just because the number of players that are getting fit into distance golf clubs who can't handle it once you get into the you know, mid twenties, low twenties in loft, which oftentimes is a six iron, five iron. Yeah. <laughs> it's unbelievable. So now it, it gets you into, again, that fitting world of which hot metal is right for me. So the technology is shared between all three of them with up with the nickel chromoly uh, material, our seamless cup face design, our, uh, what else do we do? Our V chassis on there. This is going to make sure it feels really powerful as well. All those things are tied between all three models in the hot metal. And then it's just which one puts you in the proper launch window. 